G'day. Welcome to God's Word Today's World, applying scripture to modern life. My name is Dan Van Werkhoven. I'm an Aussie writer and pastor living with my wife on a tiny island called Saipan. Join me today as I dig into scripture and explore how God's Word can still be applied to our lives thousands of years later. Hey, you're listening to episode 17 of the God's Word Today's World podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at how Paul lived his life. He lived his life like God is real. There was no compromise, no trying to justify sin, no trying to make things easy and acceptable. He experienced God's power and lived a life that proclaimed that power. He was so certain of God that he was willing to die for what he believed. And the question is, do we live like God is real today? If you want access to the show notes and the full transcript, you can find those over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen and look for episode 17 on the list. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. But without further ado, let's dig in. Last week in episode 16 of the God's Word Today's World podcast, we took another look at Saul's conversion, but focused rather on the disciple Ananias. We had a look at the courage he needed to go and talk to a man who, so far as he knew, wanted to drag him off to prison. We saw that in the West we don't often face talking to people about Jesus who want to kill us, rather we face talking to friends and family about Jesus. And that can be terrifying. What if they hate us for talking about Jesus? What if we lose the friendship, their love, because of it? I challenge us to be willing to speak up, but also to relax. Relax because it's not up to us how and when we tell our story of what Jesus did in our life. It's up to the Holy Spirit. Our job is to get to know the Holy Spirit through time in God's Word and prayer so we recognize when the Holy Spirit is prompting us to speak. Our job is to simply open our mouths when the Holy Spirit prompts us to. He'll give us the, give us the words we need when we need them. This can take so much pressure off because it becomes about God and His timing, not us and our timing, for which I'm grateful because... I'd say all the wrong things at all the wrong times. But we do need to be willing to speak up, because the reality is, for some of our friends and family, unless they put their faith in Jesus, the Son of God, they face hell. I, in all honesty, don't want to think about that. I don't want anyone I love to suffer that. And yet, I have to ask myself, do my actions show that? Because half the time, I'd rather stay silent because I don't want to risk them disliking me for speaking up. This week, we're looking at the question, do we live like God is real? Our passage today is Acts chapter 9, verses 19b through to 31 in the World English Bible. Saul stayed several days with the disciples who were at Damascus. Immediately in the synagogues, he proclaimed the Christ, that he is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Isn't this he who in Jerusalem made havoc of those who called on this name? 
and he had come here intending to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that this is the Christ. When many days were fulfilled, the Jews conspired together to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They watched the gates both day and night that they might kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall, lowering him in a basket. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the way and that he had spoken to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. He was with them entering into Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. He spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. When the brothers knew it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the assemblies throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were built up. They were multiplied, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So there's a few things we miss about Saul's journey here if we just read this passage in Acts. In verse 33, uh, sorry, 23, Luke tells us that after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy amongst the Jews. We find out from Galatians chapter 1, verse 17 to 18, also in the World English Bible, that this attempt on his life actually took place three years after his conversion. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia. Then I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Peter and stayed with him 15 days. So Paul, still known as Saul at this point, stayed in Damascus for some time with the believers there, then headed to Arabia for a time. It's also important to note that Saul didn't spend his time in Damascus learning about the gospel and learning from believers there about Jesus. In Galatians 1, he explains that God revealed himself to Saul. When Saul taught, what Saul taught wasn't from human origin. He wasn't trying to please people. He was trying to win God's approval. Nearly two decades after his conversion, Paul writes this letter to the churches in Galatia, explaining more about his conversion. And this is really important. So Galatians chapter 1. World English Bible. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the assemblies of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different good news. But there isn't another good news. 
Only there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the good news of Christ. But even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you any good news other than that which we preach to you, let him be cursed. As we have said before, so I now say again, if any man preaches to you any good news other than that which you received, let him be cursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? For if I was still pleasing men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. But I make known to you, brothers, concerning the good news which was preached by me, that it is not according to man. For I didn't receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came to me through revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my way of living in time past in the Jews' religion, how I was beyond measure, how how that beyond measure I persecuted the assembly of God and ravaged it. I advanced in the Jews' religion beyond many of my own age amongst my countrymen, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it was the good pleasure of God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia. Then I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Peter and stayed with him fifteen days. But of the other apostles I saw no one except James, the Lord's brother. Now about the things which I write to you, behold, before God I am not lying. Then I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. I was still unknown by face to the assemblies of Judea which were in Christ. But they only heard, He who once persecuted us now preaches the gospel that once that he once tried to destroy. So they glorified God in me. What gospel do you believe? So Saul, also known as Paul, encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. He not only heard Jesus, but saw him. Ananias confirms this in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Barnabas confirms this in Acts 9, 27. And Paul himself confirms this in Acts 26, verse 26. Paul saw Jesus. Jesus himself spoke to Paul and gave him his mission to go to the Gentiles. In Galatians 1, Paul explains that he had no desire to win human approval. If he did, there's no way he'd be a servant of Christ. No, he he wasn't a servant of people. The gospel he preached didn't come from people either. It came directly from Jesus Christ. Now today, as we read these words, we can know that we're not reading the words of some guy who heard from his mate who said that his sister's husband's cousin's son's wife had seen Jesus alive after he was crucified. No, we're reading words written by a man who had himself seen Jesus resurrected. Many of the books in the New Testament were written by men who knew Jesus personally. Paul, Peter, Matthew, John, James, 
all had spoken personally to Jesus after his resurrection. And nearly every single one of them died extremely painful deaths because of their faith in the Jesus Christ they personally knew. So, either the New Testament is written by a bunch of madmen willing to die for something they knew was a lie, or it is written by men who were so sure of what they had witnessed with their own eyes that death did not scare them, and they saw no need to win the approval of humans. They knew the power of God and sought only to win God's approval. They didn't die saying, I believe something I was told. They died saying, I believe who I saw. I saw him die on the cross. I saw the spear pierce his side and blood pour out. And days later, I saw him alive with a hole in his side and holes in his hands where the nails punctured him and held him to the cross. There is no middle ground. The New Testament isn't a book by some wise guys who had some good principles for living. It's either a book, it's either a bunch of books written by raving lunatics who are willingly, who willingly suffered and died for a lie, or it's a bunch of books written by men who personally saw the Son of God. And Jesus himself. We can't just claim he's a wise, just a wise person, like the Dalai Lama or someone. Jesus claimed to be God. That makes him either insane, a liar willing to suffer the most horrible death imaginable for his lie, or he is who he says he is, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he and God are one. So in our lives today, 2,000 years later, we need to decide Do we believe Jesus is a lunatic, a liar, or the Lord? The apostles all knew that he was the Lord, not because someone told them so, but because they saw with their own eyes. They went to the grave in incredible pain and suffering, praising Jesus Christ, the God they knew to be real. If they had any doubt about Jesus' sanity, or if he was telling the truth, or that they actually saw him die and then walking around days later, there's no way on earth that they would have died for him. The start of Paul's ministry was so incredible because he was a powerful Jew rising quickly amongst the ranks of the Pharisees and would quickly have gained a position of great prestige among them, especially if he continued his path of trying to destroy the Christian church. Paul had no worldly incentive to put his faith in Jesus. In life, Paul had everything. But on that road to Damascus, Paul encountered a truth so real, so terrifying, that it changed his life forever. He encountered face-to-face the resurrected Jesus, whom he was persecuting. So when he began his ministry for Jesus, he didn't begin by rehashing something taught to him by others. He taught Jesus Christ himself. And the amazing thing about this is, when he finally got to Jerusalem three years after his conversion and spent 15 days with Peter and James, his theology was perfect. He hadn't spent three years studying under Jesus, yet what he taught was exactly what Jesus taught. 
And Paul tells us that he didn't learn that from men. He learned that from Jesus. Peter and James accepted what what Paul told them, and they trusted the word of their dear friend Barnabas that, yes, Paul was the real deal. He wasn't lying. And let me ask you this. If Paul was lying about where he learned about Jesus, if Paul was lying and in actual fact everything he taught he learned from men, why was he willing to suffer for decades for it and eventually die because of it? Would you seriously be willing to die for something that you know is a lie? I wouldn't. I mean, maybe I'd die for a lie if I knew sticking to that lie would keep other people alive. Like some in Germany in World War II who lied about knowing where any Jews were. But I wouldn't die to keep a human's reputation intact, to keep their lies from being found out. Today, here and now, I'm not just talking about words from an, from a dusty old book. I'm here because I've encountered Jesus. Now, I'm not saying I've seen Jesus. I haven't. All I'm saying is I've seen his power in my life. I've seen the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I've seen how my life has changed in ways that don't make sense. Time and again, I've seen things happen in my life that I can't explain by human means. I've seen prayers answered in spectacular ways. Sometimes it's almost creepy how accurately the prayers have been answered and how quickly. I don't talk about some nice idea I read about in the Bible. I talk about the God I know is real because I've experienced him. And that brings me back to the question I asked in the beginning. Do we live like God is real? If we say we're Christian, we need to decide for ourselves. Do we follow God because we believe he's real? Because we've experienced the power of his Holy Spirit? Or do we believe in him because that's what someone told us to believe? If you follow God because you've experienced his power in your life, then my challenge to you is this. Do you live like he is real? When we look at Paul in Acts 9, he faced death not once but twice within the space of a few verses. And he never stopped preaching the good news of Jesus. He clearly lived like he knew that who he had seen on the road to Damascus was Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God. He lived, suffered, and died for Jesus because he knew the power of God and he sought only to win God's approval. Do we seek to win God's approval with our life? Or do we say we believe in Jesus, but our actions show we really just want the approval of our friends, our family, our co-workers, our classmates? If we've put our faith in Jesus because we truly believe his power and we've seen the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, the number one question we should be asking ourselves when we face decisions in life is this. Will this please God? So often our actions show that that's not the first question we ask. It usually comes after, will this take care of me? Will this take care of my family? Will this make me look good to my co-workers? Will this make me happy? So often, instead of asking, will this please God, we instead say, well, I don't think it'll displease him. 
but is that good enough for God? If we know God's power, let's live like we know God's power. Thank you for joining me today on God's Word Today's World. If you'd like to view the show notes or leave a comment, you can find the complete list of all podcast episodes over at www.godswordtodaysworld.com forward slash listen. Hope to see you next week. Now go apply God's Word to your life.